Welcome, y'all tuned in to the sounds of Ecotam. So dozy on over to hear some yawns, brought to you by the baddest. I'll be jaw-wobbling bunch of gunslingers, this here audio platform evidence It's the rooted, the tuning, how about gang? You're listening to Ear Content, Episode 1. My name's Tian Bunyan, and each episode we'll be bringing you audio content for your very own ear holes. We're going to be joined by a wonderful guest with the odd sketch or musical skit thrown in for good measure. On the line with me is our show sound producer, Wesley. Hello, Wes. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing alright, mate. I'm doing alright. Mate, this is very out of character for me, but i got to say... I am absolutely buzzing about it coming home. <laughs> it's coming uh, home. Like, it's actually coming home this weekend. That's, that's what I've, I've, I've been told by many people, and I, I do believe myself. I've got faith, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got... Uh, I'm, like, I'm not a big football guy overall, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy more, like, the whole... Um, the fandom of it as opposed to the actual game I like wearing the face paint and the shirt and having a good old sing song and that like that's more <laughs> the pageantry behind it is more my kind of thing but, I mean usually usually watching the game when England are playing is miserable so I, I understand why <laughs> you'd like that but uh, it's been alright this year yeah they've been playing like so well as well like, I'm actually interested in the actual football this year as well and it's just such a cracking group of lads on the pitch yep. um, Sterling, Kane, Saka oh, I just love them they make me so happy it's like I'm not actually embarrassed to be English at the moment <laughs> yeah man that, that's the thing every time the I don't, I don't really watch club football but when the international stuff comes around I spend a bit of time doing my research I learn everyone's name I learn what they look like so I can shout it at the TV um, <laughs> but they have it's been really great and I'm really good, glad to get to know this team yeah, it's been great. Well, um, the d- defender Ben Chilwell was in my year at school. He was. He's not played though, has he? <laughs> he hasn't. But you know, to be <laughs> fair, he um, he had uh, he got too close to what's his name on the other team and had to be taken off for coronavirus, didn't he? Oh, is that what it was? I heard. So- I thought it was just because yeah. he was getting too chummy with other people. Nah, <laughs> nah. Unfortunately, being a nice guy don't get you um, sent off the pitch. That's good. Um, yeah. yeah, and like, dude, kudos to him for getting selected for the English England squad. Like, that's that's a big deal. Even if you don't get to play, that's a huge deal. Absolutely, and he's also doing amazing stuff with Chelsea. And he was part of Leicester during one of their best seasons. So it's really good to see a local lad absolutely killing it. Yeah, boy. Someone else I went to school with is our lovely guest on today's podcast, our wonderful friend of mine, Beth Malcolm. Uh, She does cosplay under the name Amazonian Cosplay, and she gives us an incredible insight into her world. Um, Check her out on social media. She's absolutely insane. And um, some of the conversation that we'll have today will show you how impressive she is. Um, Now, Wes, I think you had some audio issues on this one, didn't you? Oh yeah, uh, the, 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 a couple of the first few episodes, 
I uh, I made a boo boo. I misplaced some things, but <laughs> I'll still be there. I'll just be on Skype quality. <laughs> so accidents happen. Don't don't hate us because Wes's audio quality is slightly off. You know it's. We're doing our best. We're doing our best, okay? And you know, the, the, the amount of podcasts that I've watched where the producer is just on Skype anyway is fine. <laughs> well, um, so um, just a quick couple of things before we crack on chatting with Beth. Um, we do at one point chat about Shadow and Bone as an upcoming TV series. That's now out. So, you know, if you sound interested in that, do have a look. Um, Beth mentions at one point that some reviewers have said it's better than The Witcher. Um, it's not, so... <laughs> we can now confirm that. <laughs> I can now confirm, um, no. <laughs> no. All right, cool. Um, also, I really want to quickly highlight, at one point I um, expressed regret about T.I.'s removal from Ant-Man. Um, I've recently seen some allegations that have come to light featuring T.I., and I want to just clarify that um, I do not think he should be in that film. I don't condone his... I don't condone him as a person. He's not a nice man. No. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get off the back before anyone starts at me like, well, you do realise that. <laughs> yes, I realise now I shouldn't have been defending T.I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think you were defending him. But we did We did have this conversation a few months ago. It was April, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Things, it might, some things might have dated. Yes, indeed. Um, one thing that hasn't dated is an abundance of men with podcasts. <laughs> Something we're very aware of, um, young men over lockdown. Uh, you know what? I'm hoping we've got we've got we've got some things for you. Check us out. Stick with us. I promise you, we're nice, lovely, lovely boys, and we're even gonna have some poke fun at ourselves. And so here's the unofficial ear content jingle. Enjoy. Some men in the twenties lack emotional connection Want to be successful without talents or the smile An oversaturated market meets ego-based direction For fuck's sake, not another white male podcast Hello, Beth. Hello. Thank you for joining us. It's an absolutely delight to have you here with us today. I mean, albeit in virtual form, got a little virtual pixelated representation of your face on Skype. Um, We're lucky as well because we've actually caught you off the back of some pretty mad internet clout. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty busy week for me online. I uh, <laughs> accidentally got the number one post on Reddit a couple of days ago, and my phone's only just stopped giving me like push notifications from the Reddit app. I mean, that's absolutely insane. I mean, getting number one on Reddit's a pretty big deal. Yeah, um, for those who mad. are massive internet geeks like us and don't know about Reddit, it's a popular social media platform. Would you call it social media Reddit? It's not really. It's kind of a cross between social media and, yeah, and like a forum, newsy site and stuff. Community sharing. Yeah, I'd awesome. Say. And so do you want to tell us about what happened? Like, so when did you realise that you had hit number one? Um, so, yeah, so I posted my Wonder Woman cosplay, just an old picture, you know, that I hadn't posted before. And um, I posted on pics and stuff, you know, trying to get a bit of, uh, you know, grab a bit of clout. And... Uh, it just started to take off and stuff and my stuff never normally does too much on reddit mm. like the most the biggest post i've ever had was on the gaming subreddit last year and i posted my ivor cosplay 
and it was like up there for a few days and stuff but that only got like 10k upvotes like just below and then this just blew up massively like within a couple of hours it was at about 30k and it kept growing and I think it got up to like above 60k and yeah it got like reddit sends you a notification when you get number one on all when oh, you get actually awesome. when you hit the top 25 because you get added to these secret groups turns out i'm now <laughs> i'm now i'm now in these secret groups i'm in the gold club the elite club the super elite club and it gives me all of like those notifications which is a bit sad but <laughs> <laughs> yeah is it like you know the, the it crowd where they get like um nine letters on countdown and they join the yes. secret club yes Oh my gosh, yes. That's me with the Reddit nuts. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the only woman there. <laughs> Just in some party filled know, with like... Fancy dress. Fat off club night filled with men. <laughs> I know it's kind of early to tell, but have you seen like... Has this translated onto your Instagram and stuff? Have you got followers from that or...? I think, I, you know, the thing is there's... There's this kind of myth of transference of followers and views across platforms. Like, as soon as something has to leave one website to go to another, it's gone. Like, it's dead. Like, I gained maybe 50 to 100. I'm not too sure. Yeah. And, like, that's that's nothing. You know, it, it just doesn't is, work. I'm so guilty for sometimes, like, on my phone, if I click on something, I want it to open in that app. And if it opens, like, on Safari or whatever web yeah. browser on my phone, then it's yeah, like, I've got to log yeah. in again? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll come back to some more specific cosplays shortly, um, and we'll go over the one that you posted on Reddit. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, I just wanted to actually know just a bit about what cosplay is, because obviously most listeners, people like me and Wes, big old dorks, they'll, <laughs> they'll be familiar with um, cosplay as we're big pop culture boys but yourself like what actually could you from someone who is a bit of an expert in it just give us a rundown of what cosplay is because i know some people's understanding will be limited to just seeing it as like fancy dress yeah so i mean yeah so simplify it sort of cosplay is the art of dressing up you know it's mainly based around sort of nerdier pop culture but you know extending into historical costuming or in original designs and fantasy books and all sorts of stuff it's you know it's a people who they like a character or they like a design and they decide that i want to dress up as that character you know maybe wear it for a photo shoot or go to a comic con which is what most people do and yeah so they might make their costumes like i do or they could commission someone else to make it or they could buy you know pieces from primark to put together a costume and it all it's a very broad hobby but yeah effectively it's the, the art of, of fancy dress is there some somewhat of like a, you say about buying stuff from primark is there a bit of like a gatekeeping system where you respect the people that make it more or is everyone kind of chill and they yeah don't? there's a lot of drama there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on um within the community um frankly mostly from men especially like star wars nerds like those sort of guys um who yeah they're they're very like you know no, no you need to have the accurate stuff you know like there are communities within the cosmic community where you have to like get your costume approved if you want to be part of them and get that that badge of honor that's wild. oh and, and they'll like go up to star yeah it's like star wars groups and they'll go up to some people in the groups will go up to like people in star wars costume and be like yeah but that's not the you know accurate fabric and stuff and it's like Half of you don't make your stuff anyway. You're buying other people's work and you're gatekeeping what's the right thing to wear. Well, I wouldn't, can it? It's a bit first order, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's Last nuts. Last time I checked, you couldn't get Best Bar on Earth. 
it's just oh it's it's just yeah you there's a lot of gatekeeping and especially when you get into the more competitive side the actual competition side of cosplay which is mostly what i do um there can be a lot of it's it's a very competitive thing you know but and but even when people aren't doing competitions you do get gatekeeping people but um yeah it's not most of it so how does it work at the competitive level? So obviously you go to a mm. lot of conventions and I know you travel internationally for them as well. So obviously yeah. Cosplay's opened up some incredible opportunities for you to do that. Um, what? So how does that kind of work? Do you start small and then work your way up? Is it like the World Cup? or? I mean, I, I'm i a big fan of uh, not starting small and I've always been in, immensely competitive and think mm. that I'm great, even when I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, there are so when you go to these events, Comic Cons and stuff, there's always, always a competition, a cosplay competition. And sometimes they are, you know, sort of a more of a casual, lower quality. And it's just when people just, they just want to get up on stage and show it off. And then, so it goes from that level where it's basically, you know, the sort of level of a club Halloween party, you know, costume contest, like yeah. that sort of level where you may win 50 quid. All the way to there are international televised cosplay competitions. That yeah, it, it's like there's the Nordic cosplay competition that's run, and um, it's all the Nordic countries, and they have qualifiers, and they yeah have their like you know champions of that, and they compete together, and it's televised on TV like Eurovision in the Nordic that's countries, so and they have yeah sick. they have like presenters in black tie and stuff for it. When um, they open that up, yeah. I on the BBC, like <laughs> honestly. Well, well, the thing is, there's so there's the European cosplay gathering, and that takes place in France. Uh, the finals are in France, in Paris. And uh, you Japan represented Expo. the UK there, right? Not that competition. No, that that's my dream competition to do. It's yeah. basically the Eurovision of cosplay. You know, you have maybe like twenty countries, and they each have a solo rep and a group rep, and it's it's insane. It's like proper big stage. There's seventeen thousand people in the audience and Ooh. it's all put online yeah full lighting plans rehearsals everything it's insane <laughs> um yeah it's nuts but no I, I have done i did a competition in france i was gonna say last year but now it was two years ago um <laughs> this year's just gone it was last year it might have oh, been God. yeah the, it was the last event i was at last time i cosplayed properly um was in nantes in france and it was for art to play and yeah it was a smaller international competition i was representing the uk but yeah, I mean, I've kind of had the unique opportunity to not only be on the stage, but also sitting there at the table judging people. You know, like I've I've been, I've judged a competition in Norway. I've judged all across the UK, and it's um, it's a really fun experience. It's very different experience being on that side of the table. And how does that come about? So how do you get like invited to come judge? Is it just from turning up and winning competitions and then kind of <laughs> establishing yourself? Or no, it, it's a mix. Like sometimes more for the UK events. Like it's been I've through my years of competing and attending these events, I've then got to know the people who organise the events, and they might you know ask me, or I might ask them and say, hey, do you still need people for this event? That sort of thing. You know, I have got gigs by just asking before saying hey, you know i'd love to come do this gig with you but then other ones you know i've been contacted through my work being known online so like the ones in norway and the one in france and stuff that they contacted me saying you know hey would you like to come do this um and that's mostly how it's done so people who are these uh, cosplay event coordinators will you know look through certain hashtags or look you know what sort of work's being talked about you know post like things like the one on reddit you know going on google all sorts and 
yeah, that's how it comes about. And that's the same way with, with not just event work, but with like the sort of professional promo work that I've done with video game companies and that sort of thing. Like they'll Google cosplayers of this character and then find that. And then uh, that's how they'll contact me. I am literally Googling Wonder Woman cosplays. <laughs> I don't think I'll come up first. But if you Google Amazonian cosplay, I'm, I come up. Amazonian. Yeah, but there's Assassin, unfortunately Assassin's Creed, I believe, as well. Yeah, because of Certainly my eyeball last Google year, evil. which blew up. Is, it evil? Yeah, is that, that how you say it? I'm eyeball. not a gamer boy. Eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> eyeball. Whilst we're discussing um, characters, actually, I did want to note that, um, so obviously mm. a lot of your cosplays tend to be around a similar theme. There's a lot of fantasy, there's a lot of mm. strong women characters. Oh God, I fucking hate that phrase, and I apologise for using it. <laughs> I, don't, Str- I went on a big strong rap women. recently. There's strong women characters, but they're women who yeah. are powerful, assertive, you know, they're bold... I was almost said strong again. What is wrong with no, my not, male well, this brain? Thing, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with um, strong female characters. It's when the strong, you know, air quotes, is in despite of her being a woman. Like, that's where the issue is with female characters. It's like, are they just a female character that's strong or are they strong even though they're a woman? You know, and that's where the real, yeah, the issue is. Wonder Woman is, is, is just strong. Doesn't matter whether yeah. she's a woman or not. Yeah, exactly. My con- sometimes my concern <laughs> with using the phrase as well, though, is sometimes when the phrase, obviously not entirely, because I think this isn't what defines strength and this is what annoys me. Sometimes people will define strength. When they use the phrase strong women, they mean a woman with masculine traits. Yeah. Or yeah, a woman who exactly. lacks conventional femininity and rejects yeah. that in favour of masculinity as if being masculine is strong and being feminine is weak, which mm-hmm. is obviously ridiculous. Yeah. Which well, is just this... why I was a bit cautious of using no, that no, exactly. phrase. No, I literally made a massive tweet thread about this a few weeks ago. Like, no joke. It, this is the thing. It's like, in media and films and TV, the you know, when there's a female character that's allowed to be in a sort of male context, you know, in sort of action films, like those sort of male-focused films and stuff, and generally it's a woman, she maybe she's got a hair cut short, or, you know, she says, I'm not like other girls, or, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. It's, or it's always the, it's in the romantic comedies when she gets a big meal, and the men are like, oh, I like to see, you know, not just eat the salad, that sort of thing, you know? <laughs> and But then it even translates over to real life, you know, with the comments that I'll get on my more masculine-looking characters, like Ivor and that, I'll get comments that are like, you know, oh, it's so nice to see a female cosplayer not just getting her tits out and stuff, and it's and it's like, I can do both, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't limit me. And to be honest, what's, what's ridiculous about that is, as well, the people say, oh, at least you're not just getting tits out. It's like, mate, you wish they were getting their tits out. Don't. You're, the, oh, you're shaming women men. online. You know exactly <laughs> what, like... <laughs> no, like, the Venn diagram of men who comment, pervy comments on my sexy cosplays, and the men who comment, you know, oh, you know, it's so nice to, to see someone actually doing real crafting uh, on my other ones, is a circle. Like, it's the same people <laughs> that comment. Oh, my God. Um... There is like, uh, I don't know, when, at least initially, when I was a bit younger, someone talked about cosplay. To me, at least, there was there was always like a sexual element to it. But mm. as, as, as I've learned more and more about it, it's very obvious that that isn't the case. Yeah, and this and it isn't... Oh, absolutely. I mean, it isn't helped by the way that the media portrays cosplay. It's getting better. 
Um, but like a few years ago, there was a Channel Four documentary series, uh, like a short documentary series that featured cosplay, and they had like you know six episodes, and each one was featuring a different cosplayer, and like four out of five of them were fetish based, and it's just like you're not helping, and then it's like you know, I remember when I first started cosplaying, and I was about fourteen. And my boyfriend at the time didn't was like that's just so weird that's really weird and creepy and he, and it just didn't like didn't like it at all and it's like you know that's just so weird and creepy like it's just fancy dress but it's weird and you know and it's, there's this stigma. It's, it's funny like, as well as pop culture has become more merged with geek culture and obviously with the mm. like, rise of things like Marvel. Marvel. And- Absolutely. Mainly Marvel. Marvel, I think, yeah. <laughs> has played such a significant role in kind of thrusting what was seen as kind of like geek, a kind of mm. subculture into the mainstream and where kind of things like cosplay are becoming a lot more acceptable. And yeah. obviously that's kind of happened in your timeline of doing cosplay. So when you first started, I'm guessing that was kind of quite a new thing that geek culture was kind of being more accepted. Have you seen people kind of been more appreciative of it oh, over I mean- time? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, when I was a young teenager, you know, you're going from getting bullied about being a nerd and the hobbies and stuff to people that you went to school with, you know, thinking, commenting on your Facebook, being like, oh, that's really cool. You know, this is really, this is really dope. You should cosplay this character and stuff. And it's like these same people that, that would be making fun of it. And I can see where, you know, we met, touched on gatekeeping. I can see where the gatekeepers, why they feel that way. Like, obviously, you know, they, they shouldn't, but I can see why you would want to be protective of, of you know, because you feel hurt, right? Because you've been ostracised for these interests and now it's becoming more mainstream and more people are getting into it that you feel kind of hurt, like, you know, well, why could you not have been this way in the past, you know? And obviously, yeah, they shouldn't gatekeep, but I can see where it comes from. I think that happens in a lot of kind of groups and subcultures as well, mm. doesn't it? Where once, as soon as it kind of gets a bit more popular, I liked it's it instantly. It cool. I liked it before <laughs> it was big. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I did like it before it was big. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it was just uh, this is the thing though. Several people have made fun of me, and now they message me asking if I can make them Halloween costumes. So. <laughs> that's incredible yeah. do people actually message you asking yeah. you to make them costumes people ask me if they can borrow my costumes to go out clubbing no for Halloween way. it's like I spent two years hand embroidering this stuff and it was <laughs> you know, £50 a metre fabric absolutely not yeah you <laughs> spent two years on this do you mind if I go throw up on it in Tiger Tiger literally I don't even do that I'll get out of my costume before we go for drinks at the con like <laughs> I do not nothing's going near these outfits no, I I have say, how much would you charge for like a custom outfit if it's uh, well i can give you a quote of what i just quoted someone the other day um so there's a new tv show coming out called shadow and bone and one of my next costumes is uh from that and i'm replicating the embroidery properly because it's all covered in embroidery and it's all this like historical technique that's very expensive to even do and then also the time it takes and I was like, so I was like, you know, okay, you've got two options here. I can do a less accurate one that isn't all the hand embroidery, or I can do a fully accurate one. Less accurate would be about 2,000. Fully accurate, you're nearing 10,000 for the amount of hours. And I'm sure and some yeah. people as well hear things like that and they think it's ridiculous, but I don't think people realise how much wage. time and effort and money goes yeah. into doing these things. If I were to chuck that, the garment that um, I'm talking about, like the amount of hours that's in it on embroidery, if I were to charge five thousand pounds for it, that wouldn't even be giving myself minimum wage for the labour. 
which yeah. is insane. And as well, because yeah. um, as well, with Shadow and Bone, I saw recently you were posting um, guides. So you do post your yeah. patterns and stuff online so other cosplayers can download them and then yeah, copy sometimes. those patterns. Which I think was really cool. But I saw as well that Eric Kaiserer, the showrunner of yeah. Shadow and Bone, got in touch on Reddit and just gave you a shout out just to say how much yeah. you enjoyed your posts. It was nuts. So I made this, yeah, so I made this like, <laughs> whoops, it was 3,000 word essay giving a guide on the embroidery because like it, it's a, so embroidery is a very inaccessible hobby for people mm. to learn unless you have a lot of money. Um, it, but like especially the more sort of specialist techniques like this, like gold work and metal work and stuff. There's just no tutorials out there that are free. You know, the only options really you have are to pay 600 quid to go on a course at Hampton Court Palace and that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's really inaccessible for people. And the, you know, the only videos online are made by some little old ladies in 2008 with a two megapixel camera. And it's, so yeah, I want to make it more accessible for people. Um, so I dropped this guide about you know the ones in the show and sort of a bit of interpretation about um, about the symbolism within the costumes and stuff and yeah the showrunner commented on it first time he's commented on anything on reddit in three years and he's an oscar nominated director and he was like yeah my emmy nominated costume designer loves you um you're completely right and i was just like oh my god <laughs> i think it said a lot as well you say it was the first time you posted on reddit in three years you yeah did like a little disclaimer at the bottom where he said i don't post a lot on here so just for those who are inevitably going to start asking it's like i, know. I, don't, I don't know when the trailer's coming well, the, like, oh, uh, the worst thing was the worst thing was i saw that comment from him because the trailer leaked um, the trailer leaked. I went to check Reddit to see if people were posting about it, and ten hours before the trailer leak, he dropped that comment on a post saying, oh, "I don't know when the trailer's coming out." I'm, like, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> I'm interested, actually. So, for um, us fans who are well, not fans, for those of us who haven't aren't familiar with Shadow and Bone, mm. um, I believe you're a fan of the books. Is that correct? I'm. I I have a rocky relationship with the books. Um, there, I really like the world and I like the characters. I don't get along with the writing in the first series, which is what the TV show is based on. I like the later stuff. So I see. So yeah, but they're very, what... very, they're very, very popular books. Like they're you know worldwide massive fantasy books. I was going to ask you what we had to look forward to, but apparently maybe not much. It's no, <laughs> it's really. I mean. Yeah, the writer of the books was one of the co-screenwriters for the show. Um, so she's had a lot of control. And she said that there have been a lot of changes made. She said it's basically high-budget fan fiction, was her words about the show. But, <laughs> and, um, I mean, the imagery yeah, and all be that aesthetic of it, it looks beautiful. Oh, like my God, said, yeah. The costume design is amazing on it. Yeah, the reviewers that have... The people who've seen the screeners already have said, like, this is the best fantasy show that Netflix has ever made. Like, this is on a par with The Witcher. Some of them even say, you know, this is even better... Um, and you can tell that it's got a lot of effort put into it. So, yeah, I, I cannot wait till the end of this month when it's out. Because I need more fantasy. There's been no fantasy for years. It's all been bloody superheroes. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not a big fan of fantasy, so I've really enjoyed mm. these superhero no, years. No, no. It's too much. It's too <laughs> much. Like, there's literally like 10 shows every year come out on Amazon or Netflix, and they're all superhero things. Yeah. Like, what I was the other day, like, I was thinking, like, when was the last big hollywood fantasy film that came out and it was the third hobbit one and it's been 10 years oh old. my been, goodness man. yeah i think as, as much as i love lord of the rings i think in a way they almost defined the genre and killed mm. it in one swift so like, did game of thrones shot. for tv it was like this is fantasy this yeah. is what defines it like defines the like the cinematic fantasy genre and did yeah. it so well it literally wrote it off 
Well, it's the same thing that happens with Game of Thrones. Every new show that's in any way fantasy that comes out now, the tagline is, could this be the next Game of Thrones? Yeah. yeah. And it immediately and like sets year, it up to fail. It's like, it's like, a show's coming out this year. Which one yeah. will be the next Game of Thrones? And I'm still working on Game of Thrones costumes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a Lord of the Rings TV show in there coming. Yeah, there Amazon Prime. Amazon. I'm hyped Amazon for are working on it. Mm. I'm actually the thing I'm most excited about this in development at the moment, like very pre pre production development, is um, the Assassin's Creed TV show on Netflix. Um, and I'm, yeah, they've announced they bought the rights. They don't even have a showrunner yet, so it's very very early days. But <laughs> I'm gonna pull all my strings to try and get a job in the costume department on that. <laughs> have you? So obviously, like I'm looking at your Instagram, there is years of experience in in this but have you got like years of job experience in it no so i'm fully self-taught i've never i didn't even do textiles at school or anything um like i i'm every single thing that i technique that i know is self-taught um just through lots of years of trial and error and research and all that um but yeah the only like real job experience i've had with costume because i have done what i used to work in film industry with um prosthetic makeup because um, that's why I studied at college and uni. Um, but I left that. And costume-wise, the only sort of work I've had has been freelance work for like promotional stuff, for video games, TV shows, and that sort of thing. I haven't ever had any job experience working within the film industry yet. Yet. Well, that's interesting. But yeah. you've had some pretty cool and promotional opportunities as a result of your cosplay. Yeah. So you've partnered with a few brands and stuff before, from Cartoon Network to Marvel... Yeah, I've done all sorts. I mean, I've I've worked with Netflix to promote Disenchantment. Um, so they contacted me a couple of years really? ago. Uh, yeah, and they were like, you know, hey, um, can we commission you to do a photo shoot to promote the series? And I've produced a couple of videos of Cartoon Network, some tutorial videos with them. They were lovely. Best craft services I've ever had, Cartoon <laughs> Network. <laughs> they were wonderful. Mate, big up Cartoon Network, Oh, man. no, they are the <laughs> best. They paid me early because they knew I was broke. Um <laughs> invited me back the next year as well um yeah they were really really they were really fun to work on um and yeah i've done stuff in marvel i got to i haven't paid for a ticket to see a marvel film in quite a while (laughs) (laughs) i got to go to the press screenings of infinity war and um endgame and ant-man and the wasp and stuff as well so that one's not so good it was fun but yeah the other two we got to see it before it came out it was a pretty damn cool it was a good film (laughs) Yeah, it was, it's, right. it's it pretty was fun. fun. I've had some cool opportunities. And yeah, obviously, all of the stuff I've done with Ubisoft, which is ongoing. So. Do you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to fuck with Ant-Man 3, though, because I heard uh, T.I. is not going to be in that one. Which one's T.I.? I don't know the names. I don't care enough about Ant-Man. <laughs> T.I., he's an American rapper. Okay. <laughs> he's like... Have you not heard that he regularly gets his daughter checked to see if she's still oh, got God, a virginity? Oh, God, is that him? Oh, yeah, he's, he's a strange, strange oh, yes. man. I knew about that. I didn't know that was him. Oh, uh, yeah, that's T.I. Uh, no, I mean, the ones coming out end of this year are going to be good, though. We've got Spider-Man and <laughs> No, but and the reason Doctor I like Strange him in that man is because he's, he's just so shit in it. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> it's just T.I. just being T.I. in the background. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't get on with the Ant-Man films, but... I mean, I was rewatch. I love Marvel. I really do love Marvel, and it has a place in my heart. But I rewatched all of the Marvel films recently, and I realised they're actually really shit films. So, I was kind of the opposite. Films. I've never really got on with Marvel that much because I've always there's always been the odd one that I really, really like. But mm. generally speaking, 
I just never thought they were that good, but I watched them all recently in chronological order, and I was like, yeah, to be fair, I guess when you watch them in order, there is a bit of a story, and it's not... A bit. I don't know. I watch bit. all Marvel films expecting, like, here's going to be a dumb film. I'm not going in for, like, they some sick plot. The ones that are good are, like, a treat. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's what, that's what you got to <laughs> do. Like, yeah, don't go... The only one I expected to genuinely be good were the last two, the Infinity War and Endgame. But the rest Endgame of was horrible. It was so good. See, so watch people punching it up, innit? Yeah, I mean, Infinity War was great, but Endgame was Endgame was one of those like because I was obviously I saw it before release, so I didn't have any spoilers or anything. And you know, we're there in this massive IMAX, and yeah. and you know, it's really electric, like sort of energy in the room. And it's one of those like you know, you really emotionally feel it. And then a few hours later, I was like. That wasn't a good film. Like, Endgame was not good. <laughs> See, I... That's interesting. Yeah. I, I preferred Infinity War when I first watched them. When I watched them both the other day, I actually was like, hmm, maybe I do like Endgame more, actually. Well, Endgame's I, got some yeah. fucking moments in it. It's got some moments. It does have some... Yeah, it's got some bits. That I, I love the time travel stuff. And, uh, you know, and I love when Captain Marvel came down as well and also for Pete Parker and Tony. There's just a couple of choices that they made for certain characters that I disagreed with how they went yeah. about uh, it. I mean, I have no investment in the actual character arcs, really. Yeah. I just want to see punching. Punch! That was ultimate punching. <laughs> so I care about Peter punching. Parker and Captain Marvel and that's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, that's good because they've got films coming out. I know, yeah. it's great. So, um, I wanted to talk about a couple of specific cosplays. So, your Reddit number one the Wonder Woman one. So, yeah. tell us a little bit about that cosplay. Yeah, so my, my Wonder Woman cosplay has been a bit of a saga. Um, I've been on and off working on it since 2017, um, which is the year the film came out. Because um, I originally made it, and then I, wasn't ha- I didn't have a great experience with my first build. It didn't go very well some parts of it and I decided to remake it and then 2019 I started remaking it and finished in 2020 and I was remaking it for a competition in Amsterdam and then the day after I finished it it got everything got cancelled <laughs> just everything <laughs> yeah and oh, so no. I've had it sitting there finished and I'm still not 100% happy with it but um I have since decided to retire it as being a competition costume for multiple reasons, and focus on other ones um, that I think I'll be more proud of putting on a stage. But um, in terms of just sort of wearing it and doing photos and stuff, I mean, I I have a yeah connection with that costume a lot, and it's it's, <laughs> it's been it's been really cool to make. I think because I loved the film so much, the first film, and in twenty seventeen, and just what it meant. Like I sobbed so hard. Um, all three times I went to the cinema to see it. And <laughs> have you seen nineteen eighty four yet? I have. I saw it at the cinema before lockdown happened. Actually, like um, in so whenever it was December. I can't and... express to you how much I miss the cinema. Oh my god! It was yeah. I miss it so much. It was <sighs> Wonder Woman for this. The sad thing is because I love my Wonder Woman costume and I. It's kind of hard to explain because, like, these costumes are kind of like my children, you know? I've put all Mm. of this effort into it, and it's kind of a representation of the passion and effort that I put into it for the hobby and for the characters and everything. And, you know, when I get to wear them, and I feel so powerful when I'm wearing Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman 1984 really disgusted me so hard that it's made me uncomfortable to think about wearing the costume again. 
Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... After, after putting over £2,000 into the making of that costume, I really don't know if I can bring myself to wear it to an event that because is of just how much I dislike the film. statement. I'm, I think I need to see this film now. Oh, you don't. Was it don't. that bad? It, it ruins... Okay, do you mind spoilers? Uh, I didn't yeah, think I... I thought it. I'd go for it, yeah. Um, uh, Wonder Woman rapes a dude. Oh, because he's in her body. He's in her body. Yeah, yeah, and it's also really racist and what? just has an awful ending as well. And it's just it just completely ruined the character. It's yeah, you know, it's just such a shame that because of COVID cuts, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is a 15 minute sequence of the Amazons at the beginning, and then it fades to black, and nothing else happens for the rest of the film. It's just yeah, Yeesh. such a shame. We'll never see what happened in that film. No, okay, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, it was know, a mess. Do you know the crack? Basically, he goes Steve Rogers. Is, uh, not Steve Rogers. Steve, <laughs> wrong, what, wrong what universe. Steve, Steve Trevor. Chris Pine. Other Chris. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Which Chris? <laughs> Chris Pine goes into another guy's body, mm-hmm. and they just like never address the fact, and then he's just like fucking using this person's body to live yeah. his life. And the dude's like asleep throughout all of this because we see, you see him at the end of the film. They like walk out into the snow and it's the dude again, and um, and like him and Diana smile and he obviously has no idea what's happened. It's like everybody, let's roll back. Like it's not okay. This it's, was yeah. I think this was going to help elaborate for me, but to be honest, I'm way more confused than I was. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it while drunk. It's one of those films. Um, anyway, can your evil cosplay? Yeah, so my evil cosplay, was, I made it last year, and it was a rush cosplay. Like, I find it hilarious the amount of attention it's got, and like I've had so many requests that I've had to wear. I've had to wear that costume 15 times in the past year, and I'm sick of it. Um, I want to burn it. Because it's not well made. It's really bad up close, but it's had so much attention that everyone wants it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the announcement came out about the game. Um, I did know that they were making a Viking game about two years before because anything that ever leaks from Ubisoft is true. Um, just always. <laughs> um, but, um, so the announcement went up. And so I started making it. And um, we're in collaboration with my friends. So my friend um, Evan in the Netherlands, so he did all the 3D modelling for the buckles and stuff. Because he was like, "Hey, you've got a higher quality 3D printer. I can do 3D modelling. Um, if you send me the prints, so I can do it for use them for mine, um, then I'll do 3D modelling for you." So yeah, solid collaboration there. And um, so I rush made it in about a month, and then it just blew up. Just got so much attention. And this was all before the game had even been released, as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it's a proper conversation about you know the state of female representation in the video game industry because the very first image of the female version of Eyeball that was shared on any official Ubisoft social media was me. Ha! <laughs> That's sick. But like, yeah, but it's great for me. But then it's like there's thir- they have at this time they have thirty promo images of the male character that had been released and really? they claim you know they're equal there's oh, no trailer oh, right. yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah so it's meant to be, it's meant to be a choice it's meant to be equal they had 30 promo images released of the male version they had a full cgi trailer and i was the first image of the female version shared on social media it wasn't until two months after the announcement that a publicly released oh, image came out of the female that is crazy yeah yeah, yeah, we're not big gamer boys. <laughs> yeah, that's and this is the thing, it's a whole controversy and that's where all the sister stuff came out, so yeah. Hi, my name's Paul, 
and I got the tricks of the trade for impressing birds. Catching the eye of lasses online is a piece of piss. It's exactly the same as in the club. First move, grab their attention. Confidently insert yourself into their space and dominate the conversation. Comment on everything she posts and always assume your opinion is the most important. Don't be afraid to get aggressive if she don't respond. Your feelings matter too. Next is the classic Negan. They should call me the Neglodon, because I'm a sexual predator. My favourite neg is the backhanded compliment. You'd actually be so gorgeous if you wore less makeup. <laughs> Obviously, you can't establish physical contacts by, you know, putting their hand on their hip when you move in past or giving a bum a cheeky squeeze. This is simply solved with a digital Polaroid of the old Todger. Obviously, you are a really big gamer and a huge cosplay fan. Fake, and obviously, you kind people. of... A big part of these passions takes place <coughs> online and in online spaces. Um, you mentioned then about the difference between how they revealed the male character and the female character. Obviously, there's a lot of conversations happening at the moment about attitudes mm. towards women, particularly in online spaces. Um, one tweet that you put out a little while back, which I thought was really cool, it said, I'm sorry, not going to take opinions on female armour seriously of someone whose only experience with making armour is modding video game characters when I'm over here like... And then it's got <coughs> you blacksmithing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was That was me subtweeting someone because there was a bit of infighting within the Assassin's Creed community and there are some disagreements about the representation of female characters. And it was all around that sort of the strong female character trope, right? Mm -hmm. So myself and some friends were making the very valid point that... Oh, it was... Yeah, some friends. And making a very valid point that, yes, while Ibor in Assassin's Creed is a great... You know, she's a great character. She's strong and she is gender non-conforming. You know, she's not super feminine. But it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth because the only reason why she is that way is because she's basically a reskinned male character. Mm. You know, it, it's like they literally admitted that for the CGI trailer they eventually released of the female character, they just swapped the heads. And, you know, we had no content of the female character and it was all pushing... And even so, in the game, it's actually revealed that the canon choice is female. Eyeball mm. as a character is female, but you can choose to play as a male, and you'll still get referred to with female pronouns because it's a like vision, like you're not actually male. The character is female, and that's where the issue is. It's like they wanted that, but all of the marketing shows that really Ivor is a male character because every single one of the trailers was male, and that's where this whole conversation was. Because then there were so community. There's some people who they said, but you don't get to say that Ivor's not great representation for women, you know, that's offensive to gender non-conforming women. It's like, we're not saying that, we're saying that it isn't genuine. It's, you know? Yeah, it's kind I know of fake exactly. representation. And it's always people who say things like that are the ones that are shitting on the character anyway. Like, yeah, sometimes, but sometimes not. These, this, It was really sad, it was really difficult for us within this community because it was infighting with the sort of left you know, sort of mm. side of the community, the side that wants to support female representation. And it was this sort well, of... So they claim. <laughs> yeah, and it was no this sort of bickering. I hate the left like the left. Oh, I, was, I think it was, the whole, it was a whole misunderstanding. They didn't understand the point we were making because these, these are people who were just there playing the games. They're not the people who are sort of 
involved in the community efforts like we are or who you know are friends with the developers and know this sort of history and all of the drama that went down last year um, with within Ubisoft especially with, about female representation and the treatment of women within the company. And it was, they were lacking that context. And it was the con- you can't ignore the context of why the characters ended up this way. And it's, mm. you know, it brings you back to that strong female character trope of, is this character strong and, you know, more masculine because that's just who they are? Or are they that way because the people making it don't really want to have a woman? They want it to be a man, but they're just putting a woman there to get representation points. And it's, you've got to weigh up that context with it. And you can't ignore that. And that's, yeah, where that conversation <laughs> was, was about where, where really are these conversations having happening? Twitter, mostly Twitter. Yeah, do you I think as well a platform <laughs> like Twitter where you're confined by how many characters mm. in a tweet? You lose oh, right. a lot of the nuance in these arguments completely. And then when people try and do that, they can very easily just ignore it and pretend that they haven't seen it. You know, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, these conversations. I'm very, I'm very vocal on my social media. And I'm not one to sort of try and keep up a particular persona to try and get myself some clout. You know, I happily will lose followers and speak my mind, you know, because I know people who have been like, oh, I don't want to post about Black Lives Matter on my Instagram because that's my sort of safe space and that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, but if people are going to be bothered by me post about that, then I don't want them as followers anyway, you know? Exactly. And obviously as well, by doing so, it's... You can't take for granted actually posting about those things because I've seen it firsthand. People post about these things and there's kind of like this mob mentality where it takes one idiot who sees it and he gets all his mates online oh, and it's yeah. just vile abuse and they all jump on it and it's over silly little things. Well, that's what happened to me and my friends. That's why I got my, my Twitter account got deleted, got suspended by Twitter because of being hate-brigaded. You know, I've been emailed death threats multiple times from burner emails and getting all sorts of dms and messages all sorts horrible horrible things all because i've said i want women in video games and because yeah. yeah the you know got onto my friend's tweet and i was defending her and it was just literally about three weeks of just constant harassment he's um, the youtuber right yeah, the big old yeah, guy Yeah, we, we'll beep his name on the thing. We ain't giving him no publicity. Yeah, no, yeah absolutely. <laughs> don't, what? don't, because then he'll make a video about you. <laughs> He's done three about my friends, including oh, you, me. He's not going to fucking know, is he? Fucking, but anyway, <gasps> what made me laugh was um, the, when you posted the Photoshop of the points card, like the fake... Yes, I was <laughs> the, the fake card. club card, where <laughs> how many times you, like, stamped for each time you mentioned in the video. Well, that was, yeah, that was for my friend. That was for my friend, Mary, because he kept... There was, it was in, like, February. He just kept making videos about her constantly because she's a video games journalist and she's an outspoken woman, you know, his his least favourite people. Um, and he just kept making videos about her, so I made that, and uh, he didn't like that. He responded to that as well. Because um, they started mass reporting me, all of his fans. So I had to make a new account, unfortunately. Speaking like that, like that, so that like YouTuber that we won't be naming. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of like call out culture is kind of how they thrive, isn't it? They get these little yeah. armies of people, and it's like we can kind of just take everyone down. And mm. it's funny because it's kind of exactly what. The right are constantly accusing the left of doing where they're saying, mm. you want to shut people down, you don't want people to have freedom of speech, if I speak my mind, you want to cancel me and not let me say what I want to say. And, and then they go on like these the, mass yeah, the, campaigns of 
targeting people for expressing their opinions and getting them yeah. removed from the platform. Well, I think it's like the worst thing you can do with the alt right is to try and debate them because they, you know, they deliberately use techniques. But then it becomes so difficult when you have these hateful comments. You know, you have like racist, sexist, homophobic comments on your platform within your community. You've got to weigh up if I fight back at them it's going to exacerbate the situation but if i don't say anything it looks like i'm complicit in allowing that you mm. know and it's like it's so difficult because i don't want my i don't want anyone to ever look at my <clears throat> social media presence and not know immediately that it's a safe space for them and that i support them but it's you know if you do respond to them they then blow up and it gets so much worse and it can be so difficult to not respond sometimes when you're getting this brigade of hate do you ever do you ever get uh, anything when you're live streaming i haven't yet i've i mean luckily i don't i don't do gaming with my live streaming i just do my crafting so far um so i haven't had anything on there bad yet that's actually i started twitch streaming in the end of january maybe and um i've been doing i haven't done it for a few weeks because i've been just too busy but I was so shocked at just how instantly welcoming the community was there. I didn't really? think there would be yeah, I didn't think there'd be so much love I... for me doing some embroidery, but I got affiliate in a week. Like it was nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. See, I've always been a bit eh about Twitch. See, I'm really mm. not a big gamer. I can't express that enough. And I have a lot of friends who are <laughs> big I, I gamers. Very big gamers. <laughs> and sometimes things very closely related to the gaming industry i just see through their obsessive gaming eyes and i get a mm. bit like oh i'm a bit cautious of that like is that for me or is that just some like hardcore gaming platform but um obviously i do a lot of comedy and stuff and i've seen a lot of comedians recently really bigging up twitch and just saying like how yeah. it's actually a really useful platform so i think it's going to be interesting to see how <coughs> twitch continues to take off well that's i think thing, it is twitch, spreading yeah. outside of the gaming industry that's the thing because twitch began as a gaming streaming platform but it hasn't been that for a very long time you know there's there's massive making and crafting communities and cooking even and you know and then obviously all the just chatting and all sorts and it's now just this big conglomerate of of all sorts of live streaming it's not it's so beyond gaming now limmy does some mad stuff i was gonna say he does some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I wanted to actually kind of discuss some like specific things that like we've mm -hmm. seen online. I mean, I've got an example here. This is a tweet um, I was just having a look earlier about Assassin's Creed and just kind of the whole debates mm -hmm. around fe female in spaces. And this this is a combo of tweets. So the first part was funny how folks jump on trends, even with games. I never have. Now all I see is Horizon Zero Dawn and Control in my feed. Both games have female-led characters. One of the reasons I haven't gone near them. Oh. I play video games to get away from women, not play as them. <laughs> I don't think he needs to play video games to get the women to stay away from him, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like as well. Oh, when he says, yeah. the part says to me, now all I see is, it's like, ah, oh, so what you're saying is those two female-led games are actually incredibly popular and you're annoyed about that. <laughs> This yeah. is the thing. This is the thing, and this is what's really annoying. It's really frustrating when you do have these people that think that people don't want to play female-led video games. It's like because Horizon Zero Dawn was is is was like the fastest. Oh, it's like I can't remember. It's like some sort of biggest or fastest selling on the PS4. So is Last of Us Two, you know, and it's it's and there, but that's female-led with. <laughs> it's it's just really I mean, frustrating. This, 
this guy really dug his hole deeper. Someone yeah. asked him, do you not like women or something, mate? And he said, of course I like women. I don't like them in male spaces, though. Oh, Everything men do, women God. now want to be a part of. Also, That's I'm getting the... sick of this fake narrative that women are badass now. Uh, no, I can't watch a film or play a game without it rammed at me. It's irritating. That's what gets me. The video game thing, when people say, because when people say a oh, video game's a male space, it's just so ridiculous. Because since 2014, I think it is, um, it, the f- percentage of female gamers has fluctuated, but like female to male. It's fluctuated between 41 to 48% of gamers are women. Um, and the biggest demographic of video game console buying is adult women in America. Yeah, yeah and it, Sorry, it's 48% just, yeah. of gamers are women? It, it fluctuates between 41 to 48%. That's pretty, like, su- honestly surprising for but me. But that's the thing. Why, why is that surprising? Is it because women aren't being catered for in the video game industry? And so you're not seeing female-led content? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting (laughs) as well. Um, I have a friend who was talking to me the other day about how he had noticed that a lot of girls in sort of like a few years younger than us were gamers. So like he'd noticed, he was actually discussing it on dating platforms. (laughs) He was saying that when he was swiping through Tinder, he'd noticed that loads of girls like a few years younger than us had gamer or Mm. love playing games and like specific games and stuff in their Tinder profiles. Mm. He was actually saying it in a way where he was a bit upset because he was like, why can't girls my age like games? (laughs) (laughs) I actually put my cosplay in my Tinder um, images because I just, just to weed out any of the weirdos, you know? Like, the other day, there was one dude, and he was talking about, he was sort of bringing up cosplay and stuff, and I was, so I was like, oh, well, who would, if you had the chance, like, who would you cosplay? He said the Joker, just immediately unmatched him. But I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not here for that. I mean, either way, he's either a psychopath, or he's just the most boring guy on the planet. Oh, no, any man whose immediate first thought is, you know, oh, I want to I cosplay the Joker, I want to be the Joker. It's like, you've never made a woman come in your life. Just, just, just <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere near that. Uh, I had a message a little while back. This was ridiculous. Bear with me, I'm just going to pull mm-hmm. it up. So what it was over as well, it was a Uno advert, and it just had some girls playing Uno. It okay. was literally just three girls playing Uno. Some man commented, looks like a group of lefty students. I think I saw that. I, I think I remember saying, seeing that. Yeah, I'm sure the target market for, all, for yeah. Uno is miserable 40-year-old men offended by the concept of a woman smiling. Shame they aren't represented in the ad. I saw your comment on that. I think I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the go- some guy saw that and then he inboxed me, DM'd me and said... Oh god, this is this is like straight up should have gone to the police level, like. But I just fucking posted it online with his name because it made me laugh. <laughs> You're gonna get swilled with acid, you fucking big ugly old man libtard faggot fucking abnormal queer. Wow. Fuck you, need to kill yourself. Wow, yeah, but that it's just like he's, sounds it's like, like he's a standard week to me. Like, I'm seeing him like at his keyboard, like, like you're gonna get like literally just like losing his shit. Every yeah, swear I mean, word he can think of. Yeah, so if anyone knows a Graham G. Rowlands in Runcorn. Fuck's sake, Graham. Oh dear. See, the thing that my last summer, like July time, um, my email, professional email inbox was full of burner emails sending me that shit. Ugh. So just, Yeah. Just, 
Insane. Bad people get strong on the internet. I mean, on like obviously we have a laugh about it and that because mm. these people what they are just ridiculous. Do? But on the more like serious side of things, like what kind of effects? Because a, a guy saying something online, I'm, you're a lot like me. I know you well, Beth. You're, you mm. don't see these things as like a personal attack from them because they're fucking losers. Yeah. But when it is such a obvious like effect of a deeper societal problem. How does yeah. it feel kind of navigating that space, knowing that these kind of attitudes exist and that this is the kind of thing that society still finds acceptable? This is the thing, because for me, like, I'm not personally bothered by some idiot on the internet insulting my looks or, you know, just, like, being sexist. Like, it doesn't hurt me. Like, to be honest, I've been through so much online that anything they can say isn't the worst that I've had. So mm. it doesn't bother me. Um... But when you are getting so much of it, when it's just constant at the same time, it can be very emotionally taxing and overwhelming. And that's when it can start to get upsetting because it, not because of what they're saying, but just because it's so much of it, yeah. you know, but then it's also, that's just me. And there are plenty of people who would very much take it to heart if they get some awful comments online and they're not a bad person for that. You know, we go around telling people, oh, just ignore it, just ignore it. But it's like, how about, you know, we try and combat the root cause of it you know why why are we just telling people just to ignore it? or you know but yeah you know when people if i respond on twitter to some dickhead being sexist i get told you know oh you should you shouldn't respond to them you know generally a man they'll they'll respond mm. to me saying you shouldn't respond to them you'll just make it worse it's like thank you for telling me how to deal with my own traumatic situation yeah. you know and, and it's like there's nothing you're not at fault for responding to these horrible things in however, whether that's you getting upset, whether it's you getting angry, your feelings about that are 100% valid. They shouldn't be saying it in the first place. And it just saddens me because the people that are saying these things, you know, because when you get these comments and a lot of guys try and say these things and they're like, you know, and they're like, oh, but you know, they're not real men. And it's like, but they are. And that's the thing, they, when they're not on their computer, they are, you know, just the guys on the street and that's what teachers and also they are me. these people. The sheer amount is like, and that's, yeah. that's what I mean, you, oh, what you're saying makes complete sense to me because these are just people who we see in the street every day and that integrate mm. in society. And the sheer volume online doesn't equate, when you don't see it at all really, when no one's saying these things openly in their office or in the day-to-day -day world, mm. and it's like, I want to know who these people are that are got these sick and twisted minds like <laughs> but then it continues on you know because when people in an in say an office workspace they do say these things and then a woman tries to report it to hr and it gets brushed off and it's like yeah it's easy enough to say oh these are just idiots online talking about video games but it rolls over and it translates and it has this real world real life impact because mm. it perpetuates these you know sexist bigoted ideals in someone's mind if you keep saying these things even you know these dudes on Reddit, they're like, oh, I don't actually think these things, I just want to be a troll. But the more you say it, the more it infects your mind and the yeah. more you start to actually believe the things that you're saying. And it, it does translate into real life just without being so overt. Dude, anyone that's saying horrible shit on Reddit is like the people that say, I'm not a racist, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not just the comments on that post. I had over 2,000 comments, I think it was, and it was just... Oh my god, the I most toxic space I've ever seen. issue in itself, you were saying about racism there, like when people say, I'm not a racist, obviously mm. there are racists, but I think racism makes way more sense when we think about it as acts as opposed to people. Because obviously there is racist people, don't get me wrong, there is people like who it is just... Ing 
in, ingrained within their personality. But there's other people who... What, what, it's like a self-preservation thing. People don't want to admit that they're racist. Like, well, I've that's in the past even, held racist ideologies just because yeah. I was like, I'm not racist. I, I like, I've got nothing wrong with, like, this race or that race. But then I'd held, like, a stereotype in the back of my mind. Yeah. But that's the and thing. And that's like the thing. You know, we're, that we're, we're all susceptible to racism, to, yeah. oh, to being racist, sorry. Well, that's the thing, because we're three white people sitting here discussing racism, right? Me and you, I don't know about you, Ed, but me and you grew up in a pretty affluent white area. And it, it's we yeah. can sit, yeah, like we can we can sit here and say, you know, oh, I'm not racist. But the th- fact of the matter is, in some ways, we are, and we will Absolutely. be, and we should be less focused on trying to defend ourselves and call ourselves not racist than actually being a- a- anti-racist and you know it, confronting those internal biases that we have. And exactly, you know, it's a learning curve. rather than caring, yeah, exactly. We should be caring more about the impact rather than on other people and the people who are affected by these things, rather than how we feel about the uncomfortableness of how we feel about possibly being called racist. Absolutely, I'm sure the same applies for the same with the sexism and the, mis- the misogyny. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that things I've done over the years could be are definitely that, and it, it's mm. about uh, yeah, more just working on not even just forgiving yourself but just like accepting yeah. that these things are happening and they're happening to you and they're happening or you're doing them the people around you are doing them and working on it from there mm. yeah it's definitely i mean i'm definitely like a big thing recently obviously there's like we've been talking a lot about women in online spaces day to day in the past particularly in my teens i definitely used misogynistic language talked about women in ways that I You dressed was... up as a pimp to our school prom. <laughs> I don't think that's misogynistic. I think that was <laughs> fucking dope, but <laughs> that was not a, that was not an example I was going with, but <laughs> I'm just saying yeah, I didn't pimp the girls out. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, I just mean like and sometimes as well, another one I used to be guilty with, it's it's the joke, the you know, the when you make the joke, but it's like, oh, it's funny because you shouldn't say it. I'm taking the piss out of yeah. them. No, but that's, you're not. That's you're the thing. You should be, like, that's joke. the thing with dark humour. It's like, who's the butt of the joke? Is the butt of the joke the people that are affected by that? Or is it the people who are racist and bigoted and sexist and homophobic? Like, it's, you've got to be making fun of them, not the people who are actually hurt. <laughs> And it's a fine line, and I find it easy yeah. just now, just not because I used to do that, make like the the awkward joke because I yeah. knew it was bad. I just don't yeah, do that same. anymore because it's just like um, it's just easier to avoid it and just yeah. Some of these ideas, um, just for a quick recommendation, because we have to be closing things off shortly. Yeah. Um, the I've been reading a book at the moment, Animals by Sarah Pascoe. And it's a really accessible book and it kind of mediates between science and social theory. And like, I really like it because it properly looks at science. Not that, you know, those people who like won't engage with social theory and they'll shut it down because of science and just dismiss it. But that level of science peaked in middle school and they're like, it's basic science. It's like, yeah, but what we're saying is it's a bit more complex than basic science. And she kind of looks into these ideas. It's very accessible. So she's looked at other people's research, presented that, and kind of breaks down social ideas alongside science as opposed to... So I'd say like, it's kind of when people say, is it nature or nurture? Well, it's both. And yeah. this book was really good at mediating between the two. Um, her next one is Sex, Power, Money. I haven't started that yet, but 
that's okay. a lot of the sort of stuff we've been talking about, about like sex work and kind of yeah. male sexuality and attitudes <laughs> towards women. So I'm really excited to I'll check that to, out. I'll have to pick that up. Who is it? Sarah Pasco. Sarah Pasco, the comedian. And that, yeah, I know her. She's she holds her weight as an academic, and it's like I say, it's really accessible, but also very well thought out, and speaks from personal experience. I just wanted to shout out as well, Beth, before we say goodbye to you. Um, obviously, we've talked about some of the negativity in the yeah. online gaming community, but obviously there is a lot of positivity and people always... There's obviously an entirely other branch of people who just want to celebrate and back these positive ideas. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, the AC Sisterhood. Yeah. Could you just so, tell us a quick bit yeah, about so the, that? Yeah, sure. So the AC Sisters, Assassin's Creed Sisterhood, was a movement started by some friends of mine. I was there you're right at the beginning. Um, and it was after there was the big sexual assault scandal at um, Ubisoft um, last year. So many of the staff, um, including, unfortunately, some people that I was friends with, uh, were outed as being sexual abusers. And um, And there was also, at the same time, the you know release of Valhalla's like trailer and there was all the you know the lack of female representation and then there were a load of leaked emails within the company showing how the executives have said that women don't sell and had been really sexist and all sorts of stuff and it was all this kind of everything kind of blew up at once you know both female character like the treatment of women on screen and also behind the scenes and so this sisterhood was created and it was you know, to try this movement to try and social movement to try and push you know and help female representation in the video game industry and community and so you know we've done lots of stuff before and and it's been we've been making some strides it's really cool the game actually put our um tattoo our logo in the latest game and they also put a letter between um to the founder called Preet my friend and Sebastian who designed the logo and they put them in the game and had a letter between them which is really sweet oh that's awesome yeah um that's that's what's really funny whenever Preet, the people tweet her oh you probably haven't even said played the game it's like She's in the books and the games, like, as a character. <laughs> She's been there since the beginning, guys. But, yeah, so we created this movement and we've got this sort of... We've got this Discord and there's all sorts of really good conversations going on in there, you know, and with fans and also developers. And recently we were contacted by Discord, who um, asked us if we wanted to do some charity fundraising for breast cancer research uh, in line with International Women's Month. And um, we obviously said yes. And because they said, you know, we'll, we'll be matching donations up to 60k. And yeah, so we did a week of streaming. I did my streaming of some embroidery. And I was amazed that by the end of my stream, which is the first one, we'd already hit over $2,000. Yeah. And yeah, and so Discord said, you know, the match for things. Oh my God. We had an initial goal of 5,000 and we hit that on our third day. And by the end of, at the end of the week, um, Ubisoft surprised us by donating $6,000 to us. Nice. So we had a grand total of about, oh, what was it? It must have been about, I think it was like 13K. And then obviously with Discord matching that, you know, on top of that. It was it was really, That's really awesome. Man. Yeah, and I think the total raised was over like, over the whole campaign because Discord contacted, like Ubisoft did some as well, and then there were a couple of other uh, communities. 
um I think the total raise was over sixty thousand dollars which for charity which is incredible and it was like I cried when we hit when we hit our 5k goal I cried and then I cried again when Ubisoft surprised us by donating the money and you know our friends were like we've been trying to keep this a secret from you guys it was really difficult <laughs> that's absolutely outstanding yeah man. it was really really awesome and it was it was so lovely because that was mid like during the all the harassment that I'd been getting online um, and my friend had been to do with all the video game stuff and it was this really nice sort of little reprieve you know that there are good people these people who contributed and who shared and who joined in the chat and you know Ubisoft who gave us some games to give out and Discord who were matching the donations and stuff and it was it was just a really wonderful experience and it showed that there is in with even with all the negativity there are a lot a lot a majority of really good hearted people within the gaming community that is a wonderful note to end on. Um, <laughs> that was Sounds really nice, this, that. No, genuinely, like, <laughs> it's just nice to hear that contrast. When there is so much toxic yeah. energy in these environments, it's nice to know that it isn't all like that. And, you know, like society, there is good parts and there is bad parts, and that these good parts are always going to continue to shine through. So thank you, and just, like, yeah, got a lot of respect for what you guys do. Yeah, thank you. You should uh, come get involved. Pick up an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> Jesus. I, you, shall we? Should we, get, should we become gamers? Do it. I, the, the about... thing, I, I don't know how the hell I've managed this. I've never actually finished an Assassin's Creed game and somehow I've managed to become an Assassin's Creed representative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fake gamer girl. I don't... You're, I have ADHD. I can't that, finish uh, video Assassin's games. Assassin's Creed haters ain't going to make it this far into the podcast. I know. Because I'd be on you for that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Before you go, um, yeah. socials, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? You've got six social media feeds. You always post in <laughs> wonderful like, uh, <laughs> photography of your cosplay and that. Thanks. You do some sick collaboration with some awesome people. So where can we see it? Thank you. So um, I'm Amazonian cosplay um, pretty much everywhere. Um, if you search that on any social media, you should you should come across me, really. Um, mainly I'm on Instagram at AmazonianCos. That's where I post all of my work. And I also have a YouTube channel, which I am starting, you know, very recently. I'm starting to produce video content. But uh, yeah, mostly my uh, Instagram, AmazonianCos. Awesome. Definitely go and check them out. You can check me and Wes out on social media as well. Wes makes some wonderful music at Wesley Strong. Six, six, six. Wesley at Wesley Strong six six six. Gotta be edgy. <laughs> Very edgy. You can also follow us on Twitter at How About Gang, on Instagram at How About Gang, on Facebook. Guess what? It's How About Gang. To clarify, it's just How About Gang. it's what how about gang but yeah check us out Uh, we love to bring you lots of content for your ears eyes and hearts so it's been a pleasure Beth thank you again thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure yeah it was awesome but yeah and we'll speak to all of you lovely little munchkins soon bye bye bye